Thank you for taking the time to listen to this audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center. Our prayer is that you'll be encouraged and blessed by the anointed Word of God. If you'd like more information about Apostolic Worship Center and its ministries, visit our website at www.awcnorman.com. Thank you so much, Brother Waters, and it is a joy to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It's a lot of places that you and I could be today, but there's no place else than the house of God that I want to be. Amen. Aren't you glad you showed up for church this morning? Amen. Amen. It is such a joy to be here at Apostolic Worship Center with you in this beautiful church campus. I give honor to Pastor and Sister Borders for your 23 years of leadership here in this city. Thank you for being apostolic. Thank you for pastoring this church and for your voice here. And it's been a joy to be with my friends this week, Brother Derek and Sister Amanda Borders. They are true servant leaders, and they've been friends to my wife and I. And everything they do, they do with excellence. And they just represent your church and your district so well. And then, of course, to the Consume Youth Group, we did have a fantastic time, didn't we? Amen. This morning, though, when I woke up, my body told me that I may have pushed it a little too hard with Capture the Flag. Amen. But a second cup of coffee kind of helped work that out. But I commend this youth group and these young people that participated in this youth retreat. And if you weren't able to be there, that's okay. You can catch next year's. But we know that the Lord did something incredible and and special in the lives of the young people who made time to be at this youth retreat. And they worshiped and responded to the power of God. Just so great. And I'm so proud of these young people. And I know you are. Why don't you give them a, a hand clap? of appreciation. And, of course, what Brother Derek said this morning is true. Recently, my family grew by four feet. And uh, I am here today because I do want to honor my commitment, but I'm also here because my wife is a hero. She is at home holding down the fort, so she sends her love to this church and to this youth group. I won't keep you standing much longer, but I do want us to turn to John chapter 5. In verse 2 in our reading, John chapter 5, verse 2. feel such a special touch of the Lord in this house this morning. Amen. I'm thankful for freedom and liberty that comes when we lift up the name of Jesus. John chapter 5, verse 2 is a familiar story from Scripture. And it says this, Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. Everyone say sick folk. The Bible says of blind, halt, withered, waiting. Waiting for the moving of the water. Verse 4, For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water, that whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. Verse 5, and a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. Everybody say a long time. Long time he's been looking for healing and a touch. Verse 6, but when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there a long time in that case, he saith unto him, will thou be made whole? Verse 7, the impotent man answered him, sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth in before me. 
while I am seeking my healing and my touch from God, somebody else in the church house gets it. I get dressed on Sunday morning and I drive myself to the house of the Lord and I'm seeking a touch and I'm seeking something from God. But Sunday after Sunday, somebody else gets what I'm seeking for. But I feel I'm in the Holy Ghost already to tell somebody you're in the house of God this morning. And though you may have been seeking for something from God for a long time, that backslidden loved one to come back to church, your healing, your miracle. Maybe you're seeking the gift of the Holy Ghost. I've come to tell you today can be the day that everything changes in your story. Verse 8, Jesus just says unto him, Rise, take up your bed and walk. I want to point out in verse 7 that the people in this story were so focused on the pool. They were so focused on the angel. They were so focused on the good thing that was being done that they almost missed the best thing that had ever walked on those porches. They almost missed the better thing. I don't know about you, but we're living in a world where I look around me and I open my news feed every day and I'm troubled. But I have to be reminded from time to time that there is something better on the horizon than what I am seeing with the physical eyes. There is something better coming to this church and this city than what we see with our physical eyes. It's not over because COVID happened, but God has set us up for something better. Somebody say, something better. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord right now one more time. You've been standing and responding so well, but one more time. Let's have unified prayer for the Lord to have His will in the next few moments in this place. Lord Jesus, we thank You for Your presence that we've already felt. We thank You for the special touch that is here, God. And we're asking You once again to speak to Your people, God. I pray that the Word of the Lord would do its work today, God. I pray that we would be receptive to the better things that You want to do in our world. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. I wonder if you can clap your hands to the Lord one more time before we're seated. Come on, that's it. I wonder if you could just open up your mouth and let out a shout of praise. Oh, clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. This morning, for just a few moments, I want to preach to you a message entitled, Better Things. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has better things for you. God bless you. You may be seated. Someone once said that good is the enemy of better. In other words, if we want the better things of life, we must be willing to abandon the good things and go after that which is better. And it's true that the progress of humanity and the advancement of technology has always come about because there were people who decided that good is no longer good enough. That even though it isn't broken... We should still go out and we should still fix it and we should still improve it. And so that's why at some point in our cell phone technology experience, some of us had to forsake our trusty Motorola bag phone. Let's just stop right here. How many of you remember the Motorola bag phones? How many of you are still using a Motorola bag phone? If that is you, I salute you. But somewhere along the journey we had to forsake the Motorola bag phone, Brother Borders, and we had to move to the Nokia Teletac. Anybody remember those? And the snake game on there. Oh, you're really good if you remember the snake game that came on the Nokia. And then we progressed to the flip phone, the Razor. I remember if you had the Razor flip phone, you were something else. Um, 
I've got some family members that still use flip phones, and I, I give them a hard time. If you use a flip phone, God bless you. I love you. But we, we, we progressed on, and we went to the Blackberry where they had the trackball. I remember, Brother Borders, that was so incredible. Wow, watch this. You, you couldn't even touch the screen. Anything happened, but you had that trackball, and it was just amazing the things you could do. But now we have progressed to the place where we have smartphones that are named after robots and fruit. And it just continues to get better and better, hopefully. But in order to get to where we are today, somebody had to abandon the technology of yesterday to embrace what was made available for the present day. And our lives today are somewhat more comfortable and generally better because someone believed that better was out there and they went out and they got it. And this morning, that principle applies in our life and our experiences with God. That if we want what is better in life, if we want what is better in our walk with God, then we must no longer settle for good. If you have something good this morning, that's great. But I've come to tell you that God has something better for you. God has something better than the good you may be holding. He has a better thing for you this morning. And while it may be true that good things come to those who wait, it's also true that better things come to them who will stand up and go after the better things in God. I've just come to preach that no matter where you are on your spiritual journey this morning, that God has something better for you. It doesn't matter if you've been in church for 50 years or 5 years or 5 minutes. It doesn't matter if you grew up going to church or you just recently discovered this thing. I've come to tell you wherever you are in your journey and in your walk with God, He has something better. Come on, if you're ready for something better, why don't you put your hands together? Why don't you begin to open up your mouth and tell God, I want what is better for my world. Come on, God never intended for you to settle for your family to be half saved, half in the church. Come on, God never intended for your ministry to never be activated. God has intended for you and I to have something better. It's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 that Paul speaks of leaving behind those good things. And in essence, he's saying, I'm going to reach for the better things. Philippians 3.13, brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended. Now, Brother Borders, Pastor Borders, if there was any man that could ever have said, I, I've arrived, there's nothing more. I feel like it could have been the Apostle Paul. But yet here he is writing, he says, guys, I have not yet arrived. But this one thing I do, I forget. Everybody say forget. He said, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forth into those things which are before. The word forgetting here means to neglect. It means to no longer care for. It means to give over to oblivion. In other words, to just to release it and let go of it. He said, I've had some good things he said, but I feel like there's some better things. Well, Paul, if you want the better things, then you've got to be willing to forget some things. I feel the Holy Ghost is trying to tell somebody right now that no matter what your past is, no matter the mistakes that you have made, no matter the things that you have regretted, 
God is here telling us this morning, if you will forget, if you will just give it over to God. Yeah, it's always going to be maybe in your memory bank, but I can tell you right now that God can deliver your spirit and your mind and your emotions from your past. And all you've got to do is make up your mind that I'm going to let go of some things. Why are you letting go of those things, Paul? Because there's something better. And he said, because there's something better, I'm going to press a stretch. Stretching is, is, a, is a posture of vulnerability. If I think I'm under attack, we, we, we kind of ball up and we flex our muscles if you got any. Hey man, I don't have many the older I get, but you kind of just tense up and you're ready. But to stretch yourself means to expose yourself. Make yourself vulnerable. Isn't that the posture of praise and worship? Something happens when I am willing to just stretch my hands to heaven. Oh, that men would praise Him. Oh, that men would lift up holy hands without wrath or dying. I'm just telling you this morning, if you want something better from God, all you've got to do is stretch. All you've got to do is press toward the better things this morning. I wonder if there's anybody in this house that came with your mind made up that I want the better things. I'm going to leave behind the good things and go for the better things. It's later in the book of Corinthians. Paul writes to the church and he informs them in verse chapter 3, verse 17. He says, now the Lord is that Spirit. He said the Lord is a Spirit, but He's that Spirit, that Spirit that you're seeking after, the, the thing that the world is looking for. He said, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, we are Pentecostal, aren't we? Amen. We are apostolic. We believe in the Holy Ghost, don't we? We believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Spirit of God. We believe just as Genesis says, Brother Borders, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the Spirit of God began to move upon the face of the waters. We believe in the moving of the Spirit. But sometimes to the outsiders or maybe people who, not outsiders, but they don't understand why are you, why are you so bent on the Spirit? Why do you capitalize on the Spirit? I'll tell you why. Paul tells us here. He says, now, the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In other words, Paul said, the Spirit of the Lord has the ability to create its own context and create its own environment. And he said, if you feel, in other words, if you feel bound or restricted or depressed or oppressed, he said, if you can get the Spirit of the Lord in the house, that's what we did this morning, didn't we, for about 30 minutes. Uh, we got the Spirit of the Lord in the house. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's what? There is liberty. I've just come to tell you, that's why we capitalize on the Spirit. Because we realize if the Spirit comes in the house, anything is possible. Paul said, get the Spirit in there, and there will be liberty there. And that's why we felt liberty in this church this morning. And freedom, because the Spirit is here. But then he goes on and he says, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory. He didn't stop right there. He said, but from glory to glory. In other words, he said, you may have experienced some glory, 
He said, but it doesn't stop there. What do you mean? He is saying we are to go from glory to glory. And he didn't put it there, but he said, after you've experienced that glory, guess what you do? You go to the next glory experience. Can I tell you that it's never been the will of God for us to camp out on a mountaintop experience for the rest of our life, but the will of God is for this church and you and I and our families and our children to go to the next mountaintop from glory to glory. Now I realize we were, we were climbing mountains this weekend and, and you know, it, it was beautiful scenery. The thing about the mountaintop in our walk with God is God never intended for us to stop there. But He brings you to the mountaintop so that you can see the next mountaintop. I want to go back there. I want to go to that mountain. But then you have to start walking. And guess what happens if you keep walking long enough? You walk up the mountain, but you also walk down the other side of the mountain. And guess what's there? The valley. Well, Lord, You didn't say anything about the valley. Paul didn't say anything about the valley. Lord, why you got me in this valley? Because there's some things you can't learn about God if you only are interested in the mountaintop experience. You know this, the though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Can I tell you, I've walked through some death before, Brother Derek. I walked through some grief and loss before and I thought I knew a lot about God but when I went through the valley of the shadow of death I learned something about God that a book couldn't teach me that a man could teach me but I saw a side of God that He will keep me in the valley He doesn't just want me on the mountain He's not just the God of the mountain He's the God of the valley but the thing about the valley is it brings perspective it brings perspective when you're walking in the lowest times of your life, when you're walking in the lowest lows that you've ever experienced. It's from the perspective of the valley that you begin to look up and you begin to wonder at the majesty of God and you begin to see how wonderful the mountain is. So when God finally gets you out of the valley and you stand on top of the next mountain on the next glory experience, you will know that it was only God that brought you there. Far. It was only God that brought you on this journey. And you didn't get here by yourself, but it was because God had a will. God had a plan. And it was to take you from good to better. Somebody clap your hands if you're ready to go from glory to glory. Come on, just for a few more minutes, I wonder if we could just praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I feel something trying to break loose in this house. I feel like God's trying to give somebody victory in your valley right now. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, come on, come on. I know the valleys went on longer than you thought it should. I know you don't know the timetable of when you're leaving the valley, but I want to tell you right now that if you could just begin to praise God in the valley, suddenly the glory of the Lord will show up where you never expected it to be. I'm going to follow the Holy Ghost. I don't share this much, but I feel to share this, Brother Borders. I, 
I, I grew up on the church pews. I, I grew up picking chewing gum. I know it's kind of gross, but picking chewing gum out from the bottom of the pews. And I heard my dad preach and declare about the goodness of God and the healing power of God and how wonderful He is. And I've been in church filling the glory waves. And I received the gift of the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. And I shouted around the front. And I went to youth camp. But in my late 20s, my wife and I went through a loss of our first child. Yeah, I hope I'm not being too transparent, but I'm just trying to follow what I feel right now. We, we lost our first child. He was stillborn. And I'd never experienced anything like that in my life. I, up to that point, I had all my grandparents, my sisters, my brothers, my cousins. Uh, never a tragedy hit our family. And I'm standing there holding the lifeless body of a baby. Oh, God's multiplied us. Well, what he always subtracts before he multiplies, doesn't he? We've got two healthy twins, and I'm thankful for it. But Brother Derek standing there in the hospital room. I thought, what in the world is this about? Well, how does this part of your plan? But can I tell you, in my weakest moment, I felt a glory come in that room. Can I tell you in the middle of our pain and our suffering and our loss and our confusion, God showed up in that valley and let a 28-year-old young man know that yes, I'm the God of Sunday night. Yes, I'm the God that we preach and praise about. But I want you to know that I'm a God that can fill a death room with my glory. And somehow in the valley of the shadow of death, there can still be victory. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody right now. I wish you'd respond right now in the Holy Ghost. I wish you'd respond to what God is trying to do right now. God's letting you know, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Come on, lift your hands right now. If you believe that, there's a glory cloud trying to settle in your darkness. There's a glory cloud trying to descend into the valley right now. Ah. Come on, come on, come on. That's it. Come on. I don't feel like it. Well, don't let your emotions dictate your praise. Uh, emotions are only indicators about how we feel, but they should not control how we feel about our God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, that's it. There's healing. There's healing in this house. There's healing in the valley. You don't have to wait till the mountaintop. There's glory. There's healing. In the name of Jesus. Come on, one more time. Let's put our hands together and thank the Lord for His healing power. Come on, don't you feel the love of God in here? Don't you feel the grace of God in here? Don't you feel the mercy of the Lord? Oh, God. See, we paint caricatures of God. What I'm talking about? You sit down and pay somebody 25 bucks to make fun of your looks. Caricature, that's what he does. He exaggerates features for the borders. He makes my ears look bigger than they really are. At least I hope so. He doesn't make me look as muscular as I should. He exaggerates features. Fear that oftentimes in our walk with God, that's what we do with God. We exaggerate certain features of God. And oh, they're true. His attributes. He is healer. He's way maker. He's our Savior. He, he does all these things well. But we forget that sometimes when He doesn't heal us and He doesn't heal our situation, He's still a way maker. He'll still carry me. 
Sometimes God puts you in the valley because He wants to show you some features that maybe you couldn't see before because all the other features were exaggerated. We learn through hardship, don't we, that He's a healer. Maybe not of our bodies all the time, but our emotions and our minds. We learn through hardships, don't we, that He's the provider. That your grocery shelves have to get barren before you can really say He is Jehovah Jireh. You don't get the testimony without you don't get the testimony without the test. But it's out of the test that something's born. That something better is born. Hey, God, God is great if you want to stay with good. But God says, if you want better, I want to show you better. But sometimes the avenue that He takes you is through. The valley, but if you hold on to God, I said, if you hold on to God, goodness and mercy is following you. It's following you this morning. You see that God had rescued Israel out of their Egyptian bondage. I'm watching the time this morning. I don't want to belabor the point, but God had rescued Israel out of Egypt and He brought them through the desert to a promised land. And he parted the Red Sea and he turned bitter water sweet and he gave them man and quail from heaven. Can you imagine, Brother Borders, waking up in the morning and walking out your front door and then suddenly there is a double cheeseburger drop out of heaven from the garage restaurant. I feel the Holy Ghost right there. Can you imagine turning the corner and there's barbecue ribs just waiting for you right there? Uh, beef, of course, not pork. Can you imagine that? Uh, but, but the whole point of God bringing them out of Egyptian bondage was to take them out of something good and put them into something better. I'm sorry, something bad and put them into something better. But they camped out between bad and better and they settled for good. The point for them was to not live in the provision of God, but the point was for them to live in the promises of God. But they rejected the promised land. and They chose to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. They settled for provision instead of obtaining the promise. However, the Bible says that while they're in the wilderness, God took really good care of them. He's a merciful God. He said, okay, you're not going to have the promise. You don't want the promise. I'll still take care of you. The Bible says that while they were in the wilderness, He took really good care of them. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that food kept dropping from heaven, and He even made sure their clothes did not wear out. Nehemiah 9.21, Yea, forty years did thou sustain them in the wilderness, so that they lacked nothing. Their clothes waxed not old, and their feet swelled not. Some scholars say this meant that the clothes grew with them. Can you imagine seeing someone in this room right now, and 40 years later, you see their outfit right now, and 40 years later, they've got the same outfit on, and it looks like it does today. It'll look like that 40 years. That would be kind of creepy. But the Bible said that their clothes did not wear out, but it also grew with them. How convenient around Thanksgiving time or during the quarantine. Your clothes just expand with you. They grow with you. But you see, Israel got so used to those things. They got so used to the clothes. They got so used to the food dropping out of heaven. They got so used to the provision that they missed the promises of God. And that's why in the chapter of Hebrews, through those chapters, those 13 chapters, the writer is using the word over and over, better, better, better. As a matter of fact, that's the overarching 
theme word of the book of Hebrews is he's taking time to tell us, don't settle for the provisions. Don't settle for the good thing. He said, but go for the better thing. Go for the promises of God. Can I tell you today that if you're looking for salvation and you want something more from God and you've not received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, there is something better for you. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, there is something better for you. If you've never repented of your sins, there is something better for you. And that's why he tells us don't settle. Don't settle for provision. But reach for the promises of God. Circling and coming back to our text, John chapter 5, verse 2, it tells us about a pool of water in Jerusalem called Bethesda, which means the house of mercy. I, I've never been privileged to travel there, but I've got friends who have visited Bethesda. They say it's just, even though it's, it's old and it's broken down, they say it's just a, a splendid place. You, you could imagine what it was like in the times of Jesus. It was called Bethesda, and it means the house of mercy. Once a season, an angel of the Lord would come down and trouble the waters. If you were the first person in the waters, you would be healed. One person healed each season, but you had to be the first person in the water for that season. Lying near the pool, on one of the porches is a man that the Bible said had been waiting for his healing for 38 years. 38 years in the house of mercy looking for a healing. You see, mercy was a good thing, but this man needed something more. He needed the touch of grace in his life. You see, we've got to have more than mercy, and I'm thankful for mercy. I wouldn't be here today without the mercy of God, but we've got to have more than mercy. We've got to have the grace of God. The law could only provide mercy, the mercy seat, the horns of mercy, but John says that Jesus comes and He brings grace and power in our life. John 1.7, for the law was given by Moses but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. In other words, mercy was in the Old Testament and in the Old Testament law, and it's a good thing. But when Jesus came, He brought the better thing. He gave us grace. In other words, He gave us not just mercy for forgiveness of sins, but now we have the power to overcome sin. Mercy was at Bethesda that day, but something better. Jesus Christ was needed. Jesus sees the man laying there, and we read it earlier, but let's read it again. But verse 6, when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he says unto him, will you be made whole? The impotent man answered him, saying, sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me in the pool, but while I'm coming, another steppeth down. Notice this man was so focused on the good thing that he almost missed God in flesh. He almost missed the best thing. Oh, it was a good thing that the angel was doing for everybody there. Don't mistake in that. But something better just stepped on the scene. God in flesh, He was there to take the experience of Bethesda to a whole new level. Good was being done there, but better had just stepped on the porches of Bethesda. You see, an angel does not have the power to heal 
But Jesus declared in Matthew 20.18 that all power has been given unto me to heal and to save. What the angel was doing could only heal one person at a time. But somebody had just stepped on the scene that could heal everybody in that place at one time. The angel could only stir the waters. But Jesus said, He that believes on me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Jesus, the better thing was there to do a work. Jesus doesn't scold the man when he misidentifies his opportunity. Jesus doesn't sit down and have a counseling session with him and say, look, when I asked you if you want to be made whole, you should have jumped up and you should have said yes. But Jesus looks at him and he tells him to do something that's very interesting. Jesus saith unto him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. Jesus asked the man to do something he had never done before. Jesus, don't you see my situation? Jesus, don't you see that I'm lame? I've been here for 38 years. Jesus, don't you see my legs and my situation? He said, yeah. He said, but I'm telling you, take up your bed and walk. Jesus told him to do something he'd never done before so he could experience what he had never received before. And sometimes we've been sitting and we've been waiting and we've been wondering what's going on. And God, why haven't you intervened? God, why haven't you done what I needed you to do? And God is saying, if you'll do what I'm telling you to do, if you'll just rise and take up your bed, there's going to be healing that will come. There's going to be something that begins to shift and move. Well, I don't feel strength yet in my legs. He said, it doesn't matter. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. There had to be some type of bridge of faith there where the man said, I can sit here for another 38 years, or I can hear the voice of the Lord, and I can begin obeying the voice of the Lord. And so I believe I'll obey the voice of the Lord. So evidently he rose up. And when he did, something began to mix with his faith. Something began to mingle with his faith. Verse 9, and immediately the man was made whole. He took up his bed and walked. And on the same day was the Sabbath. The lame man got up and he walked away from the pool of Bethesda. He got up and he walked away from the good thing because he had found the better thing. And the better thing had changed his life. The house of mercy became a house of healing and power. Miracles and deliverance. Hear this preacher this morning. This is a house of mercy. Thank God for His mercy that we feel. But this is also a house of power. This is also a house of healing. This is also a house of promises. You may have seen and experienced some good things in God, but can I tell you, there's better things in God today. There's better things for you and I today. Don't just settle for mercy. Go for the better things. I wonder if we could stand in this house today. For the Lord moving on us right now, can we just lift our hearts and our hands to heaven? I know we're practicing social distance right now, but I want us to begin to move into a time of prayer. I'm not sure how you typically do your altar calls or your prayer services, but right where you are, I know that you can make it. You can make it a place of prayer. And Pastor said the altar is okay to come down front and pray if you want to do that right now and practice social distancing. But if you want to make your way to this altar right now and you're tired, you're tired of the good things.
You're ready to see the better things. Come on, if your valley has made you bitter, you've been wondering how it's all going to turn out, you need to let your faith rise today and believe that there's still better in your story. There's still better chapters in your story. Come on, God's not done writing your story. He's still the author. He's still the finisher. Come on, God's not done working in this place. 23 years, we've seen some wonderful things. We've seen revivals. We've seen healings. We've seen signs and wondering wonders. But I'm telling you that there's better things today. Come on, and if that's you right now, I want you to stretch your hands to heaven. I want you to begin to press. Come on, leave behind the good things. Come on, they were good. They got you this far. But there is something better in this house right now. As they begin to sing, I want us to begin to reach for the better. Come on, declare it. I want the better things of God. I want more from God this morning. Come on, I said I'm not satisfied. I want more in my salvation. Come on, I want more in my ministry. Come on, there's more for me. I want my healing. I want my family saved. I want the better things of God. Hallelujah, Come on, it may be it may mean that you do something you've never done before. It may mean you step out of what you're comfortable with. But I promise you, if you'll reach out, God will meet you. God will meet you. Come on. You have to wait for the troubling of the waters. He's here. He's here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You have been listening to an audio sermon from Apostolic Worship Center located in Norman, Oklahoma. We are located at 3221 North Porter Avenue, Norman, Oklahoma, 73071. Our service times are Sunday at 10 o'clock a.m. and 6 o'clock p.m. And we also have various ministries happening on Wednesday night. For more information, visit our website, www.awcnorman.com. Call us at 405-329-1285 or email us at info at awcnorman.com. We hope that this recording has been a blessing to you.